You're listening to Find Your Reason to Live podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Johan Dasa with Find Your Reason to Live. This is our first podcast. We will be talking about the issue of suicide, bullying, and all the kind of issues that kids are going through nowadays. So here it is. Find Your Reason to Live. But anyway, this is our first podcast about find your reason to live. And I have Jeff Vealy with me, a motivational speaker. What's up, Jeff? I'm, I'm doing well. Hey, I'm having a great day. It's Friday. I don't know how motivational I'm going to be. But yeah, I'm a little <laughs> tired, a too. I'm a little tired, too. But. I uh, have been spending, uh, I haven't seen you in a long time. I've been on the road um, right. traveling and, and speaking at schools, elementary and middle, middle and high schools. Across the country, and so I'm about to go on a little mini vacation. So this is the last thing before the the mini vacation, and then awesome. right, cool. jumping back into the next leg of the tour. But as I've been gone out speaking, uh, you have done this big art prize, largest yeah. international art festival in the world, is and it? it is. I didn't know that. It's pretty cool, and you were part of it, and you got to share all these different stories, seven stories, seven reasons to live. And I love it. And uh, you shared my story. And so I want to thank you for doing that. And I just picked up the t-shirt today. So if you need a t-shirt for Find Your Reason to Live, make sure you check that out. So yeah, if you are interested in ordering one of the shirts, uh, I'm going to provide a link somewhere on this podcast. Um, it's a good way, you know, to talk to other people about the issue of depression and suicide. Um, I start a lot of conversation by just wearing the, the shirt. So if you're interested in um, ordering one and you want to wear it, so that way you feel a little more comfortable talking about the issue, just feel free. You know, order one. I'll be happy to mail you one. So yeah, Seven Reasons to Live was an art piece that I created. Um, there are seven, seven sketches, seven stories, seven peoples. Um, I, I asked them, you know, what is your reason to live? And... Um, and it was very strange because uh, when I asked the question, a lot of people didn't have an answer. Uh, they had to think about it. And, um, you know, after having those conversations and they were able to share some of the story, I started creating some uh, sketches and art pieces that uh, became some reasons to live. The whole idea was to create hope. I'm not an expert on suicide at all. I'm just an artist that wants to have a conversation with people. And I think the best way for me to do that to do that is through art and storytelling. I don't know if people that are listening to this that you ever think about what is your reason to live. Um, and then I started thinking about myself because I was asking this question, but I wasn't even thinking about myself yet. Right. right. Sometimes it's harder to answer the question than it is to ask it. Right. And one of the things that got me thinking all about this is I watched a TV show, Thirteen Reasons Why. And, you know, that TV show deals with suicide. And it, it kind of glamorized suicide a little bit. And that got me thinking. My daughter told me, you know, you should watch this show because, you know, there's an issue with the show. They aren't glamorizing the show and they're not dealing with how to deal with or how to cope with some of the issue. Yeah, there were no really positive coping skills taught through the show. Not through the it show. It was all focused on the negative. And, I mean, and they did a, some sort of a special online on YouTube right. afterwards where they tried to teach some of that. But why wouldn't you teach that to your viewers during the show? During the show, especially give some hope in each episode. Yeah. It just seemed like a downward spiral. Yeah, it's very well done. And Yeah, cinematography you know, was breathtaking. Yeah, it's an awesome... TV show, I will say. 
Um, but the message, you know, I was very worried about the message. And I, I decided to do something about it. And I decided to do seven reasons to live. Instead of having reasons to die or to <laughs> right. take your life uh, or seven reasons to blame somebody, uh, I was trying to figure out reasons that you find every day to live. Um, so, I love the focus on the positive there, yeah. right? Because I think a lot of, right, depression is having a, a, a negative outlook, right? Your lens becomes discolored and how you see the world, often you're picking up on the negative. And when people are going to therapy and as someone who, we'll get into my story in a minute, but um, as is really struggled as a kid, I started to have that negative lens and that was how I viewed the world. And that's how yeah. I viewed everything. Oh yeah. And so when we're looking at reasons to live, automatically the questions you're asking by asking the right questions you're kind of changing someone's lens to help them focus on the positive. Yeah. And I think that that's really awesome. Yeah, we have to think positive. Um, I work with kid, kids at risk and, you know, their lives are very negative. And one of the things I always try to teach them is you need to think something positive about, about yourself today and something positive that's happening today. Don't worry about the past right mm -hmm. now. You know, one of the things is you have to think about the present, and what's the positive thing happening right now at the present? Um, and, I, and I know it's difficult. Um, it is very difficult, but it's something that you have to train yourself to do, to think positive, you know? Uh, and I think it's completely possible. Totally. It does take practice. And I think if you've been looking through a negative lens for a long time, it's it's easy to see the world through that lens and to switch it is, is very difficult. Right. So anyway, Jeff, um, so... I, I remember when I started doing this project, my art project, I asked you, what was your reason to live? Do you mind sharing that a little bit uh, so people can hear your story? Yeah, my reason to live is to uh, go help kids like me. Um, and you might say, well, what's a kid like you? Is it redheaded kids? Is that who you want to go speak to? Because <laughs> uh, I'm a, a proud ginger, yes. No, uh, growing up, I was really, uh, I really struggled a lot. Uh, a couple of mental health disorders, ADD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and uh, was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder early in first grade. Uh, I was that kid that stood out for all the wrong reasons. That was hyperactive, running yeah. all over the place. <laughs> I know a lot of them. Like yeah, <laughs> had a hard time making friends, and I had no idea how to channel my energy. And today, there's different things I do uh, channel that. I've become better at at uh, dealing with that as an adult. But of course, as a kid, you don't know what to do. So all the crazy kind of comes out at once, and um, I stood out for a lot of different reasons. So. Because of that, um, I drew a lot of attention from my classmates, and they thought it was really funny since I was dramatic and kind of out of control anyway. Why don't we poke fun at him and see what happens? Yeah. And that started a lot of bullying, a lot of kids trying to hurt uh, my feelings. And and uh, bullying isn't a word I like a whole lot. I speak yeah. about it uh, full time, but yeah. uh, really, you know, rumors and jokes and, and name calling. There is there is the pushing and shoving and. Eventually, you know it's getting moved. worse now. I don't know. It is. I was talking to a coworker last night, and he was so surprised because he was talking to one of the kids that we work. Mm -hmm. And the stuff they have to put up with nowadays, social media, yeah. uh, and all the standards, and like you have to look good, you have to have the good clothes. Uh, for girls, you have to have the right makeup, you have to have the brand new phones. And if you don't have the brand new phone, you get bullied for that. So the standards now in schools are, you know, so high. And it's difficult for kids nowadays to go to school because, you know, they got to deal with all this pressure. Totally. 
Yeah, you talk about standards, and I think that's a big thing that uh, kids struggle with is that they're always trying to kind of keep up with everybody else. You know, it's like uh, people talk about for a long time keeping up with the Joneses, and I think the Joneses have gotten younger and younger. Yeah. And uh, if you're not wearing the cool shoes and you don't have the phone, you uh, you know, you're you're kind of behind the pack. Right. And that's something that kids like to pick up on. And one thing, you know, speaking to kids, I mentioned, you know, I worked in the social work field uh, for, for many years, which is how we met working with troubled youth. But now I go out into the schools and I have for the last five years um, been able to share my message with 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 a million people, both live events and media. And um, kids always want to know, like, why do kids pick on me? Yeah, there's a story that you told me. Yeah. Do you think you could tell us a story? Because I would like to hear. Oh, about me in high school. Yes. So yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the story. So, and that actually ties into what I was going to say is kids wonder why do kids pick on me? And they often think it's something wrong with them. But the the only reason why kids get picked on, why kids get bullied is because they behave like a victim. In other words, they've let someone had power over them simply by the way they react. Yeah. So here's a story that you, you love in, uh, in uh, high school. So my freshman year of high school, I'm 14 years old. I'm going to the second worst school in the inner city. Now, if you go to a really nice school, you'll you'll never probably feel this feeling. But when you go to a really rough inner city school, you develop a sixth sense for when a fight's about to break out. Okay? If you ever walked into the, a room and you can feel the tension in the air, you know what this feeling is. Something changes in the air and you're like, I smell it. Right? You can just <laughs> tell something's about <laughs> to go down. Hold on a second. You got to do that again. Oh. <laughs> you, you, you smell something in the air, you know? I smell it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how you know. So so I'm by the back door of the school waiting for my dad to pick me up, minding my own business, and I can just feel the tension in the air. All of a sudden, this kid comes down the hallway. He's in a wheelchair. He sits across from me. Now, in my school, I got a lot of kids with a lot of different gang affiliations. If you didn't know someone, better just not to talk to them. So I'm just standing there minding my own business, and all of a sudden, I hear... Like this wind blowing down the hallway. I'm like, we have tornadoes at this school? What the heck? <laughs> Here's what this was. It was a big guy in one of those big, puffy South Pole coats people wear in the wintertime. I remember that. And uh, here in Michigan, it gets really cold, and so a lot of people wear big, puffy coats. But his arms rubbing against his side was making that sound. If you got a little kid, you know, you know, when they're wearing snow pants, you can hear them coming from a mile away. He's coming down the hallway, and I was always picked on for being a big kid. I was always on the heavy side, so uh, not trying to be mean to this guy. I'm just trying to describe him. This dude was really big. Okay, I'm talking like over 300 pounds. Dang! Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, and uh, anytime he'd come down the hallway, this guy always had a mean look on his face. And no matter what was going on at school, everybody would stop and move out of his way. Wow. They're all afraid of him. And so he was known as being this guy, he just got stayed out of his way. So he's kind of like the Moses. He, oh, he was the Moses. He could part that red sea <laughs> like nobody's business. <laughs> Yes, he would come down. He didn't even need a staff. He just needed to just, yep, and he would just, it would part. I, I wish I had that power. I wish I had power. But anyway. And then you're just waiting for Noah to come down the middle of the ark. But this dude, yeah, the hallway would part like the Red Sea. And uh, so he comes up, got this mean look on his face, and he stands next to the kid in the wheelchair. Now, here I am assessing the situation, right, because I know something's going to happen. I thought, I bet you this big bully-looking dude is going to pick on this kid who's, you know, obviously disabled in the wheelchair. He was a little more scrawny. I was totally wrong. All of a sudden, the kid in the wheelchair looks up. This is what he says. Hey, man, no one can breathe with your fat, flabby self next to him. Why don't you move your fat cell phone over? Bro, I'm about to suffocate. Wow. <laughs> and I'm standing there on the other side of the hallway. I can't believe what I'm seeing. <laughs> I wanted to go over and poke the kid and be like, bro, you not notice the size of this dude? Like, what are you thinking? All of a sudden, the big guy gets mad. 
puffs up like the Hulk, like, even bigger than he was. <laughs> Goes over, true story, picks up the kid out of the wheelchair, boom, slams him against the wall, cocks his arm back. He's getting ready to punch his massive fist through this kid's nose. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm standing there watching. I'm thinking in my head, like, there's gonna be some blood on the wall today, you know? <laughs> and as I'm standing there watching, all of a sudden my eyes connect with this kid who's against the wall, hand against his throat. I hear a little voice inside. It says, Jeff, what would you want him to do if that was you against the wall? How in the world am I going to stop this guy? is huge. Right, yeah. But I know I have to do something. If you've ever been in a moment where you know the right thing, but you're scared to do it, you know exactly how this feels. I'm standing there. I have no idea what's going to happen. And as I'm trying to think of something creative, I was like, you know, I could walk up to him and be like, hey, man, you better watch out, bro. Knock, leave him alone, you know. I'm a ginger ninja, yeah. you know, but <laughs> it's like, that's not going to work. I'm trying to think of something to say. All of a sudden, I see his arm tense up. Coat puffs out. And I'm like, this is the last chance before right. he, you know, unleashes yeah. his fist through the kid's nose. So I ran over there not knowing what to say. I can't think of anything clever. I just grabbed his arm and I, uh, you know, like my uh, reflex. I says, uh, hey, stop. He lets go of the kid, hits the wheelchair, falls on the floor. Then he turns to me. Oh, no. Picks me up. Sams me against the wall. Man, who are you talking to? You know, real tough. At this point, I'm like, you know, I'm going to pee myself. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. This is the first got thought going through my head. The second thought is, I have to think what adults in my life have taught me of how to stop a bully. Yeah. You know, ignore it. It's not going to work. Walk away. Dude, I'm dangling from the right. ground. There's nowhere to go right <laughs> Tell a teacher, listen, I wish there was a teacher in the hallway. There's no one. I know if I try to scream, someone to hear me in the next hall, the school was huge. Yeah. You know, punch my face until it you know, stops making sound. Mm-hmm. Got a choice at this point. I can either try to fight him and get squished, or I could try to end it somehow. Ninth grade, 14 years old, true story. I looked at him, as calmly as I could, I said, look, I don't have anything against you. I just don't didn't want to see you kill that kid. Please, I don't mean any disrespect. Don't do something that's going to get us both in trouble. Saying this with his hand against my throat, all of a sudden, I saw his face start to relax. I saw his body start to relax. He set me down. He gave me one last look in the eyes, which was a look of confusion. And he walked away. And what I had accidentally discovered in that moment is a solution to deal with any enemy in your life. Anyone that's difficult, hurtful, and hateful. For the first time in my life, I didn't get upset. I didn't try to fight back. I didn't, you know, scream. I didn't run and try to get the person messing on, messing with me. I didn't try to get him in trouble. I did two things. I call it the peace sign approach, two fingers. Step one, I didn't get upset. I was resilient. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get it, didn't show him I was intimidated, right? Didn't get upset, right. was resilient, didn't look like I was intimidated. I appeared strong and confident, even though I didn't feel strong and confident. Step two, the second thing I did is I treated my enemy like a friend. I leveraged the golden rule. I didn't treat him the way he was treating me because I would have made things so much worse and I probably would have died that day. But instead, I treated him the way I wanted to be treated. I treated my enemy like a friend. And you know, ever since that day, I've used those two things. Anytime someone's mean to me, I don't get upset. I stay very calm. I'm calm, I'm kind. I don't get upset. I treat him like a friend. And every time, I've been able to find peace in that relationship. I may not turn... Now, Now, what happened later with this guy, and probably what you want to get to here, is two days later, this big guy came up and 
I thought he was going to finish me off. I was yeah. scared. And I heard his coat, you know, coming behind Did me. Did you got time to practice your Taekwondo? Yeah, no, not skills? in two days, man. No, I was just, you know, I would have. Trying to catch my breath after that. But he, uh, he came up and there were tears in his eyes. And uh, I looked at him. I was like, this dude cries? Like, he looks solid like a rock, you know? And um, he said, uh, I wanted to come up and meet you. And I want to apologize. And I was, I was floored. I had, had no idea where this was going. And put out my hand. And, oh, hi, my name is Jeff. I'm like, good to meet you too. And, and he, uh, he said, I want to apologize. He said, you weren't trying to start a fight with me. You were trying to stop one. Right. I was about to do something incredibly stupid. And you stepped in and you stopped me. If it wasn't for you, I'd have gotten in a lot of trouble. Mm. I said, man, you don't need to apologize. This guy was calling you fat. You know, he's making racist jokes. He started cussing this kid out. I said, I can understand why you got upset. You don't have to apologize to me. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to see you kill the kid. And he said, no, I do need to apologize. Here's why. He said, the thing that freaks me out about you, Jeff, is he said, even when I slammed you against the wall, you were still being nice to me. Yeah. He said, I've never met anybody like that in this school. He said, because you were nice to me, even though I wasn't nice to you, you have my respect. And no matter what goes down in the school, I promise you, I will always have your back. Wow, so you got a bodyguard. Yeah, I was like, sweet! I got a 300-pound bodyguard. How cool is that? (laughs) Yeah, and that's hard, man. I mean, it's hard to stay calm and respect somebody who's about to beat you up. It is. It's difficult. But what I find is most helpful with, with kids, you know, we naturally want to defend ourselves when we're being attacked. Right. But the thing is, unless you're being physically attacked... You know, it, it, it's only subjective harm. No one can ball up a, a word, a nasty word or a name or a, yeah. a rumor and throw it at you and give you a black eye. Mm-hmm. Which means if you choose to emotionally, you know, guard your heart, for out of it flows all of the issues of life. That's what it says in the Bible, right? Or you protect your mind, you pr- pr- use a little mindfulness and kind of escape and go to a happy place for a second. Yeah. Just ground yourself in that moment, whatever, whatever it is for you, however you describe that. When you understand that that person, 90% of the time, isn't going to physically threaten you. You're not in any sort of physical harm. See, we respond like we do back in the caveman days. Right. You know, the hair stands up on the back of our neck. We, yeah. we bulk up. We get ready for a fight. But now in civilization, we have laws to protect us against people that are going to hurt us. Most people don't want to assault you, send to the hospital, and, and then they, you know, go to jail. Um, 90% of the time, that's not, a, not the case. Now, yes, there are kids out there that try to pick fights and try to, you know, assault people. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Yeah, and you got to be smart about it, too. I mean, right, right, right. If you assess the, the situation, yeah. assess the threat. Yeah, if there's danger, yeah, it's a good time to walk away. Yeah. Walk away or run away if you need to. Run away is a good one, too. Defend, really defend yourself if you need to, yeah. <laughs> they, what they're doing is saying, are you easily upset? Are you easily angered? Yeah. And if you appear strong and confident, even if you don't feel strong and confident, mm-hmm. so you got to understand bullying is a game. I don't like the word bullying because sociologists for hundreds of years, they, they say when someone's repeatedly mean, they don't call it bullying. They call it dominance behavior. Mm. Someone wants to dominate you. They want to have power over you. They want to see you lose and they want to win. And the number one thing they do is they try to be aggressive and see if you get upset. Right. They're testing you. They're testing you. Yeah. And if you get upset, you have failed the test. They have a lot of fun. They love to watch you get upset. I mean, reality television is essentially watching people get upset and make each other upset over and over. Mm-hmm. We've made a whole genre of TV out of that. That's the majority of reality shows, if you think about it. And it's sad. You know, people are actually enjoying that. Yeah. So. 
And so if we understand that bullying is really dominance behavior, it's a game of winning and losing, and the key to winning is not getting upset and your enemy will lose. When you go in and you have that mindset, now you realize, oh, this is mm -hmm. And the only way to win is to not get upset, treat my enemy like a friend, and I'll appear strong and confident even though I don't feel like it. When you think of it as a game, instead of this complex problem that, oh my gosh, I can never respond to or figure out how to get over, every kid understands games and winning and losing. And so when you teach a kid that, and then you give them two skills, don't get upset, treat them like a friend, you'll find peace. Right. I'm holding a peace sign in the air if you're listening just to the audio of this. That helps them visualize and conceptualize how to respond. It breaks it down into very simple, practical ways to understand it. Yeah. The peace sign approach, which I teach, 90% of students that use the peace sign approach um, report that after one week, either that person has stopped being mean or it's dramatically decreased and it's no longer a significant problem. Yeah. Do you think uh, practicing not getting upset? For example, this is what I do. Uh, the type of work I do. I work with kids at risk. Mm -hmm. And I do practice or think about how I'm going to react yeah. to difficult situations. So I'm ready. So I already have a plan in my mind. Okay, if a kid is cussing me out, I'm going to respond in a nice way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ignore the, the swearing. I'm going to ignore the cussing. Do you think that will help kids to prepare themselves mentally? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because what does any good athlete do? practice before they go on the field yeah. they practice right what's crazy is we're not born with these skills and our biological programming in our bodies how we're born says you reciprocate the same behavior attitude or language that someone uses towards you you just reflect it back you're like a mirror mm -hmm. so the problem is we have a lot of people walking around like mirrors and we've got a lot of people that have been hurt and hurting people hurt people so we're reflecting each other's pain and projecting it on one another but think about it imagine a football coach yeah Assembling a team and saying, you guys, we're not out of practice. I'm going to throw gonna out the play. playbook. Go out there and have fun. And I think often that's uh, what we've done with schools is kids oh. out of candle conflict and they're running and tackling each other and we're trying to figure out Talk why. about social media. Social media. Same thing. That example you gave about going to play football without practicing, that's what we're doing with social media. Parents <laughs> are allowing kids to have cell phones, yeah, yeah. computers. Yeah, yeah, go and use it. Don't worry about the rules. Sure. You know, yeah, that's a great example. It's like, yeah, we need to coach kids. Mm -hmm. We need to show them how to practice. And that's very important. I mean, as an right. adult, some of us, we got to take responsibility and actually help kids, you know, practice those skills. Exactly. In, in practicing. And the only, the, the most, I'll give you my secret sauce, right? It's the reason. Um, so the, the approach that I teach, it's won two international awards. It's widely successful. The anti-bullying industry t uh, calls a program that can reduce bullying by 20% a raving success. I call that an 80% failure. <laughs> I don't think that's something to celebrate or a reason to right. buy a cake. Yeah, yeah. Um, our kids deserve better, and um, I'm really focused, and I'm really passionate because I know what it's like to be on the other end of that. Not only was I bullied at school, but I was abused at home. Mm. And so what I teach is life skills and social skills and conflict resolution skills were survival skills for me growing up. It's the only way I made it through inner city high yeah. school. It's the only way I um, made it through growing up um, you know, at home, which wasn't a, a safe place for me at times. Um, I didn't have it nearly as bad as some of the kids that you and I've worked with, but I, I had it pretty rough for a while. Wow. And, um, and so the, the secret sauce to everything that I've done and my mentors that have gone before me that's trained me how to do this stuff, we role play with kids. 
we act out exactly how they're going to respond. Mm -hmm. And it's that practice and that rehearsal. Yeah. They're having to respond to a live person, not just think about it. Oh, what might I say the next day? Right. No, no, no. That's so important. You have to role play. And when you role play and even, you know, sitting down with your kids with a, a tablet or a laptop or a cell phone, if someone texts you this or if someone sends you an inappropriate picture, what would you type back to them? Or right. what would you do? And you, you make them sit there with their device. You got to learn, learn what to do. Right. Yeah. No, and you know, that's totally true. I, um, I seen that with some of the kids that I work. Um, therapists, they role play a lot. Yeah. And we role play with them. So we get in a group, group therapy, and they have to practice their skills. And I seen them using their skill with their parents. I've been mm -hmm. sitting in some place nearby and then I hear them role playing, you know, their skills. And it's amazing what they do. And so they're, they're learning how to, let's put it very simple, socialize in a way. Mm -hmm. Right, and how to communicate in an appropriate way, in in this case with the parents, and sometimes you know some of their classmates, but mostly with their with their parents is you know how to build those social skills and communicate in in a way to gain mm -hmm. what they want in a positive way. Yeah, right. And I watch them, you know, practice this stuff, and it's amazing because growing up, I didn't know none of this stuff. <laughs> I didn't have those skills. Right. I just responded to whatever I thought it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then I watched kids learning skills. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have known that when I was 15, when I was 14, 13. I would have responded in a different way. Totally. You know, except, you know, uh, with bullies and fights and all that stuff because we all went through that. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I completely agree that we need to practice. It, for some people, it might seem silly. And, you know, some people, it's like, hey, how are you going to practice that? You have to practice and you, you'll see the results. When it comes to the issue of bullying or social aggression, as I prefer to call it, um, I see here's the two biggest mistakes I see adults making. Number one, uh, we play the blame game. Right. When I started this work, I thought that bullying was a war between students. What I've learned is a war between parents and educators. And part of the reason is because the way the law is written of how we handle this behavior, it's got to be someone's fault. Someone has to be liable right. at the end of yeah. the day. And so either we want the school to be liable or we want the parents to be liable. Because not only do we want to blame the kid who's being aggressive, but who's supervising that kid, right? right? Is where our mind goes next. Who's in charge of that environment? And the thing with uh, social aggression is you can't force people to be nice. Aristotle once said, um, government will never enforce morality. You can't make people be nice. You can only try to influence behavior. So yeah. if you're a parent at home, I mean, you know, do your kids fight? Everybody's kids fight. Mm -hmm. It's not your fault that they fight, but you should be doing everything you can to help, you know, give them skills to work through that, to try to maintain a safe environment, intervene if it's about to get dangerous. You know, kids <laughs> dive bombing off the couch, landing on the other, you know, like uh, wrestling style. You're like, yeah. okay, this isn't WWE, knock it off. Yeah, a lot of kids do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the boys, you know, they love to, yeah. love to dive on each other and we, we young boys especially get very physical i'm sure um, the rock did that a lot when he was a <laughs> probably yes mr <laughs> Dwayne johnson bam but um <laughs> you know so the number one issue i see is parents in schools playing the, the blame game and we're pointing fingers yeah. why don't we equip our kid how to solve their own social problem then we don't have to get involved as much as adults right yeah the average uh, bullying incident in america if you're following uh, your state and federal requirements for how you're supposed to report and follow up uh, on bullying in a school district the uh, average bullying incident a single incident and report costs 1200 to 1500 dollars in district time and resources oh yeah so you got the principal you get the counselor you get the parents you got the kid 
you got the other kid that was doing the behavior, then you call both of them together. There's usually some sort of follow-up meeting. There's a behavioral plan. Yeah. There's a school social worker brought in. So all these different people, there's the teachers, you know, one or two teachers yeah. usually yeah. getting questioned. $1,200 to $1,500 worth of district and time and resources. Gets done anyway. Yeah, and usually everyone walks away unhappy and right. more frustrated with each other than when you started. Right. But what if we equip that kid what if we empowered them to solve their own social problem? What if we gave them skills of how they can respond when something's mean, mm -hmm. then they don't have to run to the adults every time. Right. So number one uh, problem I see adults making, uh, or uh, mistake I see adults making is playing the blame game. Instead of asking, what can I do to help my kid with this situation? Mm -hmm. um, whether that's your student or your child, we're pointing the finger at somebody right, else. Right. And the, the other uh, top thing, number two, is um, I see adults uh, serving as referees. Or trying to or jump in, them too. yep. Rescuers yeah. or referees yeah. instead of coaches and cheerleaders. Hmm. We are called to support our kids, to cheer them on as a cheerleader, and we're called to coach them, to teach them the way and how to win the game. I think we should call this episode "How to Coach Your Kids." There you go. I think it's a great title. <laughs> and I think we learned a lot. I was looking at the time. I think we've been talking for thirty minutes. Oh man! And this is our first podcast, but we're probably going to have to edit a little bit. So we'll give you the short version. Uh, Jeff, thank you for. You know, helping with the first podcast that we're doing for Find Your Reason to Live. We're going to have more stuff. Um, you know, maybe we're going to talk about social media in the future and maybe talk about ethics in social media. You know? There you go. Hey, if you want to figure out, uh, if you want to learn the best way to empower your kid around social aggression, or as you might call it, bullying, go to lovechangesitall.com. You can get about a half hour of free training while Wait, I walk through it's how to free? do that. Totally free. Love changes it all. I know it's free. I know it's free. <laughs> for, for him, it's a dollar, but everybody else, lovechangesitall.com. It's totally free. Thank you, everybody. This is Johan Daza with Find Your Reason to Live and Jeff Feely. Peace. Peace out.